3: This is America's Sports Voice, Gagamoax.
1: Three-one, fly ball, center field, Tavares comes on, the call, the catch, the win in game two, a nail-biter that goes Texas way, five to four, and they lead this best of seven, two games to Yeah, great job by the Rangers going into Houston for the first two games of the ALCS and coming away with victories in each. And now as the series shifts to Arlington, the Rangers absolutely are in the driver's seat up 2-0. Welcome back in. It is a Graybar Sports Open line here on KMOX. We're going to go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Happy to uh, welcome on to the program. He is uh, part of the broadcast team with the Rangers. He is uh, Jared Sandler. You follow him on Twitter at Jared Sandler. Hey, Jared, always good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so what's the uh, what's the confidence level right now? Obviously, there's still a lot of work to do to win two more games, but the Rangers are clearly in a good spot right now.
0: Yeah, I think, gosh, I mean, this team hasn't lost the, the playoff game yet. It, it's kind of nuts. They were really streaky during the regular season, but you don't expect it to uh, keep up that way in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, confidence is is really high, but this, even though this is a team and an organization that, You know, not only hasn't been to the playoffs since 2016, but hasn't really competed for a playoff spot since 2016. There are guys on the roster who have that type of experience, you know, whereas, uh, you know, and and the Orioles could have easily won that series against the Rangers, you know, the hundred win team, but, you know, they grew a lot from within. And so a lot of those guys, it was their first experience, whereas the Rangers went outside the organization to build a lot of their roster. And so, Some of the leaders for this team, Nathan Avaldi, Max Scherzer on the mound, Jordan Montgomery too, uh, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. I mean, these guys have been in this spot. So I think there's a a healthy mix of, hey, we're enjoying the heck out of this. We feel great. We feel like we can beat anyone right now. But, hey, we also have a lot of work to do. And this is a team in the Astros that uh, had our number not only during the regular season in general but at Globe Life Field specifically where the Astros won six of seven. So, uh, you know, I think they – they know that they still have a long way to go to get those two extra wins.
1: So you're on in St. Louis right now, and a lot of St. Louisans oh, are are certainly rooting for the Rangers, the Max Serzer thing, the Jordan Montgomery thing. Let's start with Montgomery. I mean, clearly he has been nothing short of spectacular uh, in the postseason, but really he, he was making an impact for the club from the moment he went over.
0: Yeah, now I just got to tell you, you know, when you say you're on in St. Louis, that doesn't, uh, do people in St. Louis realize that those those words might not register well with Rangers fans? Like, I, I don't know, I don't know if people from St. Louis realize how much the St. Louis Cardinals still sting for Rangers fans. That's a that's a tough one. But do we yeah, want to talk I about mean, Game
1: Six? Is that what you want no, to do right no, now? No, no,
0: no. I just, I'm just, I, I'm acknowledging that those words okay. they, they might mean a little something to you than they do to us down here in uh, DFW, but. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery was huge for the Rangers from the get-go, and he came at, at the perfect time uh, because Nathan Navaldi had gone down. And, uh, you know, the Rangers needed someone to step in. And, you know, it's just so impressive. One of the things we heard, and, and I don't know if people in St. Louis uh, got enough of Jordan Montgomery to, to experience this, but one of the things we had heard from uh, some folks of the Yankees that, you know, he is just he is a straight-up competitor, and he doesn't – get afraid by big spots or tough spots and we saw that right away I think his first start with the Rangers it was a one-run game in like the fourth or fifth he had runners at second and third and uh, nobody out and he was able to get out without giving up a run and just doesn't wilt in those spots and then down the stretch he pitched uh, his final five starts I mean they're effectively playoff starts you know with where the Rangers were fighting not only for a division but fighting to make the playoffs and you know, it wasn't like he was facing the Oakland A's. I mean, he was facing the Mariners twice. He faced the Blue Jays once. You know, he was facing teams that were directly competing against the Rangers. He allowed two runs over those five starts. You know, he came up huge and did it again against Houston in game one. I and mean, it's just been so impressive because he is not your, I'm going to blow you away with 98 and I'm going to strike out 11 guys. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have stuff that Pitching Ninja is going to put on his Twitter feed. But he's got a unique Arm angle, he's a big lefty. Maybe not the same exact style of pitching as CC Sabathia, but some of the same uh, characteristics from a release point that make it difficult for hitters. And you know, on uh, you know, on, on Sunday game one, the curveball was such a big pitch for him. But I think what's been really impressive is that he's you know had starts where it's the changeup, he's had starts where it's the sinker. Uh, he's really able to mix it up, and I think that's been a big part of what's allowed him that success.
1: Has being reunited with Mike Maddox helped him out? You know, he, he's, you know, very openly talked
0: about that. I'm always hesitant, you know, when people ask that question, like he's not going to say, yeah, no, no, no. I, my current pitching coach has no impact on me. Right. Like, you know what, when you, when you ask them in that public form, they're not going to say the wrong thing, but he's gone out of his way to bring up Mike Maddox, even when not asked about it. So I I think so. Yeah. I, I, you know, those two, I guess, and and you can maybe speak to this, you know, they hit it off last year when they, uh, you know, were, were paired together for the first time in St. Louis and, I think Mike, you know, he's so good from a game planning standpoint and, and a you know, way to take what a pitcher does and figure out how to attack in general, but also specific to lineups. And uh, the, the pitch usage from when he was with the Yankees to when he went to the Cardinals really started to shift, and it, it's carried over to this year. Uh, and it seems like it's it's been really advantageous. And so I think that those two – Really do click well together, and uh, I think you know Jordan has has gone out of his way a number of times to mention Mike.
1: What's the expectation for for a Max Scherzer? Just he's been out for a while, but he's he's Max Scherzer. So, is yeah. there any sort of limitation on him?
0: Yeah, what a guy! Uh, he, he's an interesting interesting fellow, that's for sure. We, we've definitely enjoyed in a short sample getting to be around him. Uh, I think so from a a workload standpoint. He threw just under 70 pitches in a sim game last week. That was kind of his final big test uh, before they were going to ramp things up to, you know, a return in the LCS. And so Bruce Bochy said earlier today that their, their expectation is that he could give the team at least that much. Now, you know, obviously, one pitch in a sim game is not going to be the same level of, of taxing as one pitch in a playoff game. Uh, And so, and some of it's also performance-based too. I mean, you know, even Max admitted today, he's like, I've never done this. I've never come off the IL and then had to pitch a playoff game after not pitching, you know, for a month. Uh, And so, I don't think anyone really knows what to expect from a production standpoint, but I think the Rangers are prepared to let him go about, you know, 60, 70 pitches, maybe a touch beyond that. Uh, And, you know, I, I think it was strategic in having him pitch game three, as opposed to say Game Four, because you're giving him that that game right after the off day, so the bullpen is is fresh, they're ready to go, and uh, they're protected in that way. So don't know from a, a production standpoint. You know, I know he's really spent some time over the last month trying to uh, sharpen the slider, which is obviously a big pitch for him. Uh, but I, I think the Rangers, especially with where they are with their bullpen and their rotation, they're eager to get him on the mound, and if it works great you know they didn't know going into the series they'd be up 2-0 and not that this is a throwaway game at all because one win for the Astros and they're right back in it Uh, but I I think it's you know it's helpful that this isn't an 0-2 situation that they do have a little bit of cushion they've got a little bit of creative leverage and how they want to attack this and they want to pull them early because they're seeing some you know some some bad signs and they can uh, and they're protected with some long relief help in the bullpen.
1: We're talking with Jared Sandler, part of the broadcast crew with the Texas Rangers. I'll be honest with you, I feel stupid even asking the question I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to go down this path nonetheless. Social media was filled with... Um <laughs> Rangers, uh the Rangers defense of their celebration for clinching a playoff. And you see social media stuff coming out of Houston and trying to say how rambunctious the the celebration actually was. And I mean it was just it was dumb, silly stuff that you get in social media and, and it took a life of its own. I'm sure the, the Rangers Astros rivalry just added to that. Does does everything that happened at the end of the regular season, does that play into anything that's going on right now? So yeah, let, let's start
0: with the the Saturday night. The Rangers clinch. They clinch a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. And obviously, the the shots of them popping bottles in the clubhouse kind of got blown out of proportion. You know, you don't you don't get hammered by spraying champagne. You know, what little might get in your mouth. That's uh, it's kind of disrespectful to these guys to think that they've never had a drink of alcohol on a Saturday night after a game and then shown up and played again on the Sunday. Uh, and apparently that alcohol only impacted the hitters because it didn't impact the pitchers when the Rangers lost one to nothing the next day. I mean, they, they celebrated, but they didn't party, right? If, if you can delineate between the two, there was no parting. The, the buses left. Uh, shortly after the post-game show wrapped up on the radio side, which is, you know, about 30 or so minutes, guys were in the kitchen watching the end of the Diamondbacks-Astros game because of the implications it had. Uh, there, there was no partying. Uh, there was a celebration, yes. But they lost the next day because their bats just didn't get the job done. They did not show up. They faced George Kirby and then, uh, you know, three Mariners relievers, and they, you know, they didn't get it done. I mean, it's that simple. Uh and yeah, I, I, you know, some people have said, "Well, it's good they didn't win the division." I, I don't know, I don't know that I would say that, but I definitely think it was motivating when they had to get on a plane and go from Seattle to Tampa, which is a miserable trip to have to take after you just gave away the division. And they knew everyone was doubting them, and and I, you know, the, the bulletin board material. Did they use that to their advantage? I don't know, but I know that internally. There was frustration. There was not a lot of excitement about, oh, we made the playoffs. We're here. It was, we, we just, we had an opportunity to slip away. We're going to make sure we don't rue uh, that loss on that Sunday. And they've been a different team since. Uh, maybe it was a wake-up call, uh, however you want to characterize it. But I, I do think in some, you know, unquantifiable way, uh, that loss did impact them. It impacted them favorably, and uh, it refocused the team and refocused uh, their efforts and it's you know it's obviously worked out.
1: Am I safe to assume you were on that cross country flight
0: with Indeed. them?
1: Okay, so what was what did that did the feeling on that plane feel any different than any other flight you've ever taken with them?
0: Yeah, that's the thing, not not really. I mean, you know, you got a couple card games going. Uh, I I think it always it, it's less the players more the the coaches, right? You know, I think the coaches are a little more willing to uh, to laugh and smile and, and have some fun after a win as opposed to after a loss. You know, the players, it, it would be bad if they, I, I think there might've been because it was a, you know, a late long flight. There might've been some introspective moments. You're stuck on that plane. I'm sure there were some conversations back there, uh, mature conversations that, you know, I, obviously I'm not privy to, but it wasn't like everyone was moping and, you know, down on themselves, but it also wasn't, you know, like the team had just won the division, right? You know, if they would have won that game, I'm sure that plane flight would have been a little bit there. I mean it would have been back home to Dallas uh, DFW getting ready for the ALDS. So uh, it, it really wasn't that, that different. No. Um, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that the mood ref- like if you didn't know any differently, I don't think you would have known that this team had a chance to win a game, to win the division and just didn't get the job done.
1: He is Jared Sandler, part of the broadcast team with the uh, Texas Rangers, Rangers Radio, 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for taking the time on a uh, well-deserved off day right here in the middle of the ALCS. And, uh, yeah, best of – I, I could tell you, people in St. Louis absolutely are rooting for uh, for the Rangers in this thing, if that means anything at all to you guys.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you what. My stepsister and her lovely husband, they live in St. Louis, and my, my adorable nephew loves the Cardinals. He's like five, six years old. And it pains me that I can't get behind that. But it's not hatred to the Cardinals. Once the Rangers get this monkey off their back, then everyone can go back to appreciating the St. Louis Cardinals
1: again. Do you want to give a shout-out to your family? You want you can name them by name if you want. Yeah, Kim and Todd Wolf and my niece Vivi and
0: my nephew, Big John. He's a big sports fan. I love him to death.
1: All right, great stuff. Jared, thank you so much for the time. Thanks so much. All right, very good. There's Jared Sandler joining us here on the program. It's Graybar Sports Open Line. We'll take a break, and when we return, we'll uh, shift gears. We'll talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, talking after a very spirited practice today. We'll hear some of his comments coming up in just a moment as we roll on right here on KMOX. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members
0: in Vegas
3: and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey
2: Ballerini, Megan Trainer, and Julia King.